0: sort of introduces the thought that I want to share with you this morning. We're going to be in Mark chapter 7, so just take a moment to find that if you don't mind. I was saved in 1979, as I mentioned, and that was a long time ago, and there's been a lot of things that have happened since then. I've learned a lot since then. I've learned a lot about a lot of things. I've was, I grew up, I went to school, I got married, I've had children. I've now pastored a church, well, two churches now, and I've had jobs. I've learned a whole lot of stuff. I've got a lot more to learn, but I've learned a whole lot of stuff. But let me just be clear with you that my understanding of what Jesus did for me and what Jesus does for you has never been better than when I, as a child, in full faith, cried out to him. You may say, well, now you understand more about the Trinity, and you know understand more about the gospel, and you you understand more about how the Bible was preserved. And, And I can tell you all sorts of doctrinal stuff. By the way, I enjoy doing that, and we might one of these days go through just a doctrinal study. I like to do that sort of thing. But let me just tell you real clear, this is the whole point of my message this morning, is that, you can complicate some things to the point where you miss the real point. I have been introduced, by the way, I grew up in church. I, I was thinking about this on the right end. I grew up in church. I was raised in church. There was even a time that we, for a little bit, when my daddy was pastoring in missionary work, we lived in the church. There was a little, that was actually the church had a little apartment on the back side of it. So we lived in church for a while. And I imagine I'm going to die in church, and if if the Lord allows it, I might be buried at least in shooting distance of a church. I'm sure church will be somewhere around in my entire life. And in all of that, I have been introduced to a hundred different ways that I have been told, things I had to do, ways I had to be in order to be a Christian. Live right, do right, be right. Some of those things that I was told were good rules for living. Don't don't misunderstand. They were good rules for living. They were just good moral life life lessons. Some of those things I've learned, and y'all have to forgive me if you don't understand this, but um, I was while I was raised a lot in my time as overseas in Europe around military bases where my dad did his mission work. We were always steeped in the southern culture. So for all intents and purposes, I was raised like many of y'all were within the southern culture and. You add Southern culture and independent Baptists who have the mind of their own to begin with. And let me tell you, you get some weird stuff that we can justify. And I have had Bible verses thrown at me to justify everything from racism to personal preferences. I mean, you name it. A lot of these things were weird applications of my upbringing in this particular sect of Independent Baptists that I'm a part of, and I think I continue to be a part of, to, for better and for worse. But whether whether they were good or they were useless, or whether they were good or whether they were harmful, every one of those teachings are useless because they don't point me to the thing that helps me. Do you understand what I'm trying to say to you? I can tell you right now, live a good life. And it's better to live a good life than a bad life, right? We we agree with that. But that's not going to get you to heaven. That is going to be a good person going to hell is what that's going to be. You need something more than your religion. And we're going to read a text here in Mark chapter 7. We'll begin in verse 1 and go down to verse 23. And I want you to pay attention that there was... um, some approaches to religion that the Pharisees, that's who's in in view here, that they espoused. And Jesus is setting them up to say, listen, folks, your religion might do some good things, but it's not going to help you what you really need. And I want you to see this with me in Mark chapter 7, beginning in verse 1. I'm going to read down to the verse 23, and I'm going to ask if you're able to stand with me that you will out of reverence for the reading of our Lord's words. Then came together unto him, this is unto Jesus, unto him the Pharisees and certain of the scribes which came from Jerusalem. And when they saw some of his disciples eat bread with defiled, that is to say unwashing hands, they found fault. For the Pharisees and all the Jews, except they wash their hands oft, eat not, holding the tradition of the elders." And when they come from the market, except they wash, they eat not, and many other things there be which they have received to hold as the washing of cups and pots and brazen vessels and of tables. Then the Pharisees and the scribes asked him, Why walk not thy disciples according to the tradition of the elders, but eat bread with unwashing hands? And he answered and said unto them, Well hath Isaiah prophesied of you hypocrites, as it is written. This people honoreth me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. Howbeit, in vain do they worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. For laying aside the commandment of men, ye hold the tradition of men, as the washing of pots and of cups, and many other such like things ye do. And he said unto them, Full well ye reject the commandment of God, that ye may keep your own tradition. For Moses said, Honor thy father and thy mother, and whoso curseth father and mother, let him die the death. But ye say, If a man shall say to his father or mother, it is Corban that is to say a gift. But whatsoever thou mightest be profited by me, he shall be free. And ye suffer him no more to do aught for his mother or his father, making the word of God none effect through your tradition, which ye have delivered, and many such like things do ye. And when he had called all the people unto him, he said unto them, "Hearken unto me, every one of you, and understand. There is nothing from without a man that entering into him can defile him, but the things which come out of him are they that defile the man. If any man have ears to hear, let him hear." When he had entered into the house from the from the people, his disciples asked him concerning the parable, and he saith unto them, "Are you so without understanding also?" Do you not perceive that whatsoever thing from, whatsoever thing from without entereth into the man, it cannot defile him? Because it entereth not into his heart, but into the belly, and goeth out into the draught, purging all meats. He said, and he said, that which cometh out of the man, that defileth the man. For from within, out of the heart of men, proceeded evil thoughts, adulteries, fornications, murders, thefts, Covetousness, wickedness, deceit, lasciviousness, an evil eye, blasphemy, pride, foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. Let's pray together. Lord, help us as we look at your word to hear you very clearly denounce our religion, but instead help us to embrace your grace and your gospel. We pray this in Jesus' name you can be seated. If you read the Gospels very often, you're going to see that the Pharisees are often trying to pick a fight with Jesus. That's what they're doing. Verse one, that's exactly what they're doing. They've gone, they've come rather to to Jerusalem to sort of follow Jesus around and try to catch him in something. And they think they got him. They find that they're, his disciples rather, when they eat food, they don't wash their hands. Now, Let's be honest about this. If they were, it's just a matter of washing their hands, that's kind of gross in this day and day. I would, I mean, no no offense to y'all, but I I shake a lot of hands here. I'm going to eat some supper after a while. I'm going to wash my hands beforehand. No offense to y'all, but that's just what I'm going to do. So it's good hygienic practice, but that's not what they're talking about necessarily. Again, I would argue these are some rough fishermen, blue-collar fellows, not very educated. It's very likely they might not have washed their hands for hygienic purposes in, in the ancient time. But that's not even what's in view here. This is actually a ritual cleansing, a ritual washing that they would have been doing. That is the the Pharisees They said, they actually took the law of Moses and said, where it says that the priest, before they serve things for the Lord, that they needed to go through a ritual washing. There was a a process they had to go through to cleanse themselves, to be able to be prepared to serve the Lord. And the Pharisees said, not only is it good for the priest to do it, but it's good for everybody to do it, which is why I believe that's in uh, verse, uh, verse two, it says, or no, rather verse three, where it says, all of the Jews did this. This is something they would do. And it says there that they would, have to do, they would have to wash their hands oft or often. And the often there really doesn't just mean frequent, it does mean that, but there's also a sense in which they are doing this vigorously. That there's almost to the point where, have you ever seen these doctors, when they scrub in to their, to their procedures, there's very vigorous washing? That would be something akin, maybe not exactly, but close to what's suggested there, where they're going to be a vigorous washing, they're going to do this very often. And the reason they're doing this, while they're drawing it from biblical practices, they are doing this to be fair to the Pharisees. They are trying to do this to honor the Lord. That is their purpose. That is their goal. At least that's where it started from. But that's why they're doing it. They're doing it not because the Bible says, but because their tradition, their oral tradition, nonetheless, actually said to do this. But Jesus, when he hears them talking about this and he knows exactly what they're doing, he says they're... In verse 6, this is who Isaiah was talking about, and he's referencing Isaiah chapter 29 in verse 13, if you would like to chase that reference some other time. He says, what you're doing is exactly what Isaiah was talking about. He says, you're saying the right thing. Your lips, they seem to honor me. You're saying the right things. You, you, You sound good. You're saying the right things, but he says you're missing something. Look at there in verse 6. He said, this people honors me with their lips, but their heart is far from me. He says, you're saying the right things, but there's something deep inside of you that's off. You're doing something that's good, but the reason, the the motive, the, the heart of the matter is wrong. And by doing that, he's saying you're missing the whole point of all of this. It's not a heart problem that they have. Or rather, it is a heart problem. It's not a behavior problem that they have. It is a heart problem. Can I give it to you this way? Let me try to apply it to y'all. What he's trying to get across to these Pharisees, what he ultimately tries to share with his disciples, is that your problem, and I'm talking to y'all, your problem, your problem is not that you don't live a good life. That's not the real problem. Now, do some of y'all sin? Do we all sin? Of course we do are there some people in this world we look at them and say for shame for shame they ought not do that and we'd be right to say that but do you know what the problem is it's not the behavior it's the heart of the matter let me let me explain it to you this way i'm going to use miss wendy as a uh, an example here y'all know we've been praying for her. she's had she had some cancer treatments she's going in friday for this surgery now i hope she is bathing on a regular basis I hope so Lord hope and I believe she is but as a cancer patient you could bathe seven times a day and that is not going to remove the cancer from your body she has to go That is what she's going in Friday. they're going to go in they're going to perform surgery and they're going to remove those those gross those those uh, those uh, tumors from her they're going to take that from her that's what they're going to do that's what's got to happen you can do what you want to. You can scrub the outside all you want to, and she can look like she does this morning, nice and sparkly and clean and ready to just, like she's a good person and a beautiful person. That's great. That, that's awesome. Isn't it awesome? Because we want to look like that. Again, if, I, if we'd have a problem. I think Randy would have a problem if she'd come in here and just like, look like she didn't care, right? I mean, we'd have a problem, wouldn't we? She, she's, but, but that's not going to treat the heart of the problem, is it? She's got to go in Friday to have a surgery to remove that. And the same thing goes with us as 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 people. We can go clean up our act, and y'all know some people that y'all might have been those people. You cleaned up, your act, you got in trouble for something, sort of straightened up a little bit. That doesn't solve the problem. That's not going to help anything. You know what? I, I want y'all to come to church. There's a few empty seats here. We can get some more people in here. Y'all bring them all in here. But I want to go ahead and tell you right now: you can come to church. Every time these doors are open. In fact, we can open them 24 7 so you can just sit in church all the time. You could come to church every day of your life. You could come to church every time we have a service. You could come all the time. That will not solve your problem. Is it a good thing to come to church? Absolutely. I hope I'd rather you be in church than not. But let me tell you, you come to church all the time and it is not going to solve the real problem it's good to be a good person and do good things, to help people in need. Those are good things to do. And and, and I'd rather you do that than not, than to be a selfish person and keep it to yourself. But you can help all the people in the entire world, but you're not going to solve the real problem. It's good to pray, and we ought to pray. You ought to give ourselves to pray. In fact, I think it's probably one of the things that's missing from a lot of Christian lives is we don't give ourselves enough to pray. We don't focus on prayer like we ought to. But you could pray every day, all day, and it, on its own, by simply praying, by simply having a ritual of prayer, it doesn't get to the heart of the matter. It doesn't solve the heart problem. You can live a clean life. You can help other people. All of these things are good, but they are useless unless they get to the heart of the matter. These men, they were washing. They were doing a ritual cleansing and they were trying to do what was right for the Lord. They wanted to serve him. That was their their goal, but there was something missing on the inside. They were cleaning up the outside and you can clean and you can scrub till you are red. You can clean and scrub till you bring blood, but you are not going to clean the real issue which is on the inside of your heart you must turn to the one who can go in and actually change your heart you see this is not something i can put a suit and a tie on you i can comb your hair i can put i can put uh give you a haircut i can put uh makeup on you i can put beautiful i can make it all look good we can all do that can we not and and i'm looking at a whole crowd of people that look like that this morning y'all look great and it's wonderful But the heart is desperately wicked. There's a problem inside. There's a problem inside. And these Pharisees were those people that they looked good. By the way, can I just tell you right now that in my opinion that the Pharisees were the most upright, in fact, more than my opinion, this is what Jesus says in his Sermon on the Mount. He says, unless you're better than they are, you live a better life than the Pharisees. Unless you're more perfect than the Pharisees, you've missed it. You've got to be better than these people. So in other words, he used them as a standard of living. And I'm trying to tell you that this man, Jesus, looks at them and he says, you're trying real hard. Kudos to you. It's not good enough. There's a problem. There's something missing. You see, Jesus did not come to make you feel happy. He didn't come to make you feel good. Nothing to make you feel I don't know how y'all feel about this sort of thing. Maybe maybe I'm weird like this, but I kinda like to put on my suit and tie and put my little pocket square in and buckle it up. I just like I like all that. I just like it makes me feel like I'm scrubbed and clean. I know not everybody's like that, but I just like and maybe you got a different thing you like, but I, I like that. It just makes me feel like I'm put together. Now the rest of the week, I ain't so put together, just to be honest with you. This is my this is my Sunday go to meeting. But, but I, it makes me feel like that, put together. And, you know, I think that's what, the way it is with our religious life and practices. Some of y'all, and, and I don't think you're wrong necessarily to feel this way, it makes you feel like you start your week off right because you sat in church. You know, you know that feeling? You sit, I mean, maybe if you don't, I'm sorry. Maybe y'all need to go to another church. But, 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 but I hope when you come to church, you sit here. And you're like, yeah, it's got my week started off right. I got a good sermon. I got some good singing. I Got to see some people I like, and and we have it just sort of set your mind in the right place. It's a good thing. But I want you to understand that, that 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 Jesus didn't come to make you feel happy and make you feel good. Uh, it was Karl Marx who actually said, and I don't think he was wrong by saying this. He said that. Religion is the opiate of the masses. Now, again, there was some heart problems with the man beyond this, but just understand what he was saying is not incorrect. That a lot of times we use our religion just to make us feel better, to numb us to the real problems, makes us feel good, to justify what we what we want to. You know what y'all want me to do, and you know what I want to do. I want to tell you. If you'll just show up to church, you put your money in the offering plate, and you dress right, and you don't cuss too much, and you listen to decent music, you're okay. That's what y'all want me to say, and that's what I want to tell you. That's right. You know what? When we do that, you know when we do that, we're going to feel good about ourselves because we don't cuss too much, and the music we listen to, it ain't that trash that somebody else listens to. It's the stuff we like, you know, understand that. And and, and I like to live and look the way I like, and I want to feel good about that, don't y'all? Okay, maybe it's just me. I like to feel good about what I'm doing. By the way, can I just go ahead and give you an extreme example? Because I know where y'all, I know this crowd good enough to know this. We, you understand why the homosexual crowd wants you to be accepting of their lifestyle, why they want you to not just say you do what you want to do. They want you to embrace what they want. You know why they do that? They want to feel good about themselves. No different than you. You want to feel good about yourself. Whatever you're doing, whatever you want, you want to feel good about it. And that's what these Pharisees were doing. It's exactly what they were doing. I want you to see this. You gotta see this here in this passage. Um, look, we're here in verse nine. He said, I'm read the verse 10. He says, Moses said, honor thy mother and thy father, and whoso curseth father or mother, let him die the death. He says, here's what God's law says. He says, you're to take care of mom and daddy, and if you don't honor them, you might as well go ahead and die. That's Matthew Tilly's Tilly's version of that, but that's essentially the message. You need to take care of mom and daddy no matter what. In other words, Moses is pretty black and white on this topic. There's no if, ands, little if, what about this, what? No, take care of mom and daddy. That's your job. Children, take care of your parents. By the way, side note, mom and dad, or rather children, you got a mom and a daddy, you take care of them. I don't care how much it costs, I don't care how irritating they are. I don't know how belligerent they are. And by the way, some of them, as we get older, we get a little worse to deal with. That's just the reality of the matter. But that's your job. They changed your stinking backside. They, some of the, they birthed you into this world. You take care of mama and daddy. That's your job. That's what the Bible says. But anyway, that's off the side point. Let's go back to it. Verse 11. But, that, but ye say, he says, that's what the Bible says, black and white. But you say, if a man shall say to his father, it is Corban. And this word Corbin, we don't, again, may not use this normally, but there was a principle in the Old Testament where you would have something that was a gift for God. And you would say, I'm taking this thing and I'm dedicating it to the Lord. Y'all remember Samuel in the Old Testament? His mother, Hannah, she said, I'm dedicating him to the Lord. That's Corbin. That's what's in mind here. I'm giving this to the Lord. Now, that doesn't necessarily always mean, even in the Old Testament law, it didn't always necessarily mean that you didn't have access to it. Remember Hannah? She got to see her boy every now and again. She got to see him. She loved him. She essentially had a very strong hand in his life. But she had given him to the Lord. So it doesn't mean, like sometimes we put money in the offering plate, we put it in the offering plate, and we kind of, it's gone. We don't get it access to it again. That's not necessarily what it meant. It meant you give it to the Lord, and you might still have access to it, but it's, it's dedicated to him. But that also means if it's dedicated to the Lord, you can't use it for bad purposes, uh, you know, uh, secular purposes, for lack of a better way to say that. So he says here, you said, if, if, it's, if he says Corbin. so in other words, this money I have is it's a gift to the Lord, a gift by whatsoever thou mightest profit me, he shall be free. And verse 12, he says, and ye suffer him no more to do aught for his mother and father. What was happening is these men, and the, it was mostly men, these men, they would get their wealth up and they would say, huh, this is Corbin. This is a gift to the Lord. Now that means I can't take care of mommy anymore. Because all my money is tied up with the gift of the Lord. Sounds spiritual, doesn't it? Sounds good, doesn't it? But you know what they were doing? They were making themselves feel better about not taking care of mom and daddy like the Bible told them to do. In other words, what they were saying was, I want to do what I want to do, and I'm going to find me a verse in here somewhere to make sure I feel good about what I've decided already to do. And they got the whole religious institution to go back up behind them on this thing. And by the way, that's what I'm coming back to when I said before, y'all want me to say what you're doing is good, just live a better life and show up here and put some money in the plate and we're all good. I want to say that. That's what we want to do. That is the contract in religious circles that we all have. I go to a church, by the way, if, I, if, I, if y'all didn't like what I preach, you know what y'all do? Y'all go to another church that preaches the way you like, wouldn't you? You do say, no, no, we love you, man. No, that's what y'all do. It's what I do. It's what we all do. Why do we do that? We like what we want. And I want you to see, you can justify anything you want to. There are churches this morning who preach a gospel of hate. There are churches this morning who preach a gospel of money. There are churches this morning who preach all sorts of gospels. And what they've done is they've said what these people in the pews want We're going to give it to them. We're going to make them feel good about it. And you know what they've done? They've missed what the Bible says. Because here you've got a man who is supposed to, black and white, take care of mama. But he doesn't want to. He wants his money. Because by the way, taking care of mama sometimes gets expensive. It does. And I don't know all that yet because my parents are still able to take care of themselves. But I imagine it's going to happen soon. And he says these men need to be realizing that their money is not for them. It's to take care of their parents. The Bible's black and white on that, but they try to justify it. You can justify anything you want to. You know what people have done? They've used the Bible to justify homosexuality, abortion, hate, racial slavery. They've justified, they've justified missing church. They've justified gossiping. Oh, ain't that the worst? Well, I'm not gossiping. I'm just sort of it. I want you to know about this because you pray about these people. No, you're just sharing some news because you want to gossip about it. And we're using we can we can justify leaving our families. Men have done that for years. They have justified leaving their families. They have justified we justify gluttony. We justify all sorts of things. Even though the Bible, if we're honest and objective, it says no, you can't do that. But see, God says clearly you ought not do it, and you know that's sin. You can justify it to yourself, but it will damn you. What we need to do instead is go and accept Jesus Christ. I want you to see on both of these things that we don't need to, if you're a Christian this morning, you don't need to go out to this world and preach to them they need to clean up their lives. You don't need to go out there and make them feel good about the way they're living. That's not your job. Your job is to preach Jesus. Jesus is going to hurt your feelings sometimes. Jesus is going to go against you sometimes. And Jesus is not, and by the way, there's some people that I know, and I look at them and I say, I wouldn't have done it that way. But I know for a fact, as much as I can know for a fact, those people love the Lord Jesus Christ more than probably I do. Why? Because it's not about how Jesus cleans you up on the outside. It's what he does to you on the inside. What I need you to see is there's a difference, of the, a difference in Jesus. You see, what the gospel is, is not justifying your desires. It's not reforming your body, but it is instead a transformation of the heart. Jesus goes through, and I won't reread it, it's a lengthy passage there, but if you look in verse 15, he talks about how the things that are outside of you can't defile you. And that's kind of confusing if you think about it. This is why everybody's confused in this passage. Even the disciples say, Jesus, help us understand what's going on. He goes on and really explains it in verses 18 and 19 where he says, listen, you can take all kinds of things in your body, but you've got filters in your body that necessarily will get that stuff out of you. I mean... Some of the garbage I've eaten through the years, <laughs> its a wonder I'm not dead. Well, the reason is because God made this thing a wonderful body to be able to filter some of those things out. Of course, we abuse that. I'm, I'm making light here. But the point is, what his point is to make is that the things outside of us don't defile us. See, in this world, our problem is not necessarily the devil. Those atheists who don't believe in God, the, cur- the world's culture, the cursing that goes on around us, the alcohol that's consumed around us, the pornography that's so readily available, that's not the stuff necessarily on its own that damns us. Do you understand that you could shield yourself or some other person their entire life from every possible evil in this world? And do you know where their home would be when they died? They'd still go to hell. I want to stand here in front of you. I don't mean to put myself up as any sort of Standard of, of perfection and holiness because I am far from that. But I want you to know that my parents sheltered me from a lot of stuff. Some of y'all tell me stories about what God has done, changed your life, and I'm so glad to hear about those things. But I can tell you that my mom and daddy didn't let some of that stuff happen to me and I, by the grace of God, I was able to be saved from that stuff. But I need you to know that just because Matthew Tillie has never drank a drink of alcohol, that just because Matthew Tilly's never been divorced, that just, yeah, Matthew Tilly's never been run around and do all some of the stuff and, and been, gotten into fights and spent time in prison, that's because I've never done any of that. I still, and more than still, I have more than need, I absolutely need a change of my heart. My heart is as filthy as the most hardened criminal, my heart is as filthy as the pornographic addict. My heart is as filthy as the drug addict. My heart is filthy. My heart needs to be changed. And I put myself up simply as the example of what you hope you can do with your children. I'm saying this is my, I've got four children. I want this for my children. I'm trying. But you can work as hard as you want to. They're going to hell unless they have a change of heart. You can be as good and as clean as you want to, but it is not this world that damns them. It's their own soul that damns them. And it's Jesus that changes us. You think evil, you do evil, not because this world is evil. You think evil and you do evil because you are evil. And what's worse is we use our religion to justify the evil that we want to do. The heart is deceitfully wicked above all things, desperately wicked. Who can know it? What we must do this, this morning, there's some of y'all that have, you're good people. You're present here, your presence here is an example of that. You're good people. But you've got to reject your goodness and run to the grace of Jesus and say, Jesus, you've got to change my You've got to change something on the inside. Because you can scrub, and you can scrub, and you can change, and you can powder, and you can do all kinds of stuff. It's going to crack one of these days. And that reality is on the inside. You may even live 70, 80, 90 years on this world earth, and everybody thinks you're a good man, good woman. But when you die, if Jesus is not your Savior... If your heart has not been transformed on the inside, you're going to spend eternity in hell. You must accept Jesus Christ. He has come to give you salvation. You don't need to clean up your act. You don't need to justify what you're doing. But you do need to be cleaned up. And you do need to be justified. Justified. Then I will sprinkle clean water upon you and ye shall be clean. From all your filthiness and all your idols will I cleanse you. A new heart also will I give you and a new spirit will I put within you. And I will take away the stony heart out of your flesh and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will put my spirit within you and cause you to walk in my statutes and ye shall keep my judgments and do them. You, need jesus this world needs jesus anything more less different than jesus and jesus alone jesus says it will defile you because it's on the inside of you and it will defile you from the inside out my call to you right now and i am done will you repent of your sin will you repent of your reformation Will you repent of your justification of yourself? And will you instead accept Jesus as your only hope of salvation? I'm calling on you, if you're not saved, to come to Jesus. I'm calling on you, if you are saved and you're struggling with sin, to realize you can't clean it up on the outside. You need Jesus to do a work in your heart. Thank you for joining us for Seeking Christ in the Scriptures, the teaching and preaching podcast from McConnell Road Baptist Church in Greensboro, North Carolina. I'm Pastor Matthew Tilley, and I'm so glad you joined us here, but if you'd like to learn more about the church, please visit us online at mcconnellroadbaptist.org.